grammatically, there are times that you need to join two phrases, two clauses, or two paragraphs. At the junction of these two clauses, you insert a conjunction to help smooth the transition. In life, we also need those conjunctions, those transitionary words or seasons that allow us to transition into the next phase more smoothly. Not only do these conjunctions join, but they also can signal a change or a contrast. I've got a word that will help you face the next juncture in life on A Word with Anthony Walker. Though, conjunction, despite the fact that, although. To those that may be tuning in, you must know I was not a lover of English or grammar growing up. I hated the writing assignments and definition assignments. Perhaps it was the busy work in general. I knew the material and I could pass a test but I didn't really enjoy English class. But notice how I said I knew the material. I knew it partly because of a Saturday morning cartoon called Schoolhouse Rock. The cartoon sought to educate kids through animation and catchy songs. Looking back, I can't remember all those songs or all the lyrics, but one song that caught my ear was Conjunction Junction. It was a song that taught how conjunctions worked. One phrase that still rings in my ear, conjunction, junction, what's your functions? I like tying up words and phrases and clauses. I can remember humming that song on some of my tests, just to be honest. There are those conjunctions like and that simply link up two clauses. Then you have contrasting conjunctions like the word but. It simply tells you that what is coming next is vastly different than what you've heard before. But then you have this neat conjunction called a subordinating conjunction, like the word though. Though connects two clauses, in particular one main clause and a subordinating clause, by introducing the subordinating clause. One example might be, though it was raining, we enjoyed the day. We enjoyed the day is the main clause, and though it was raining is the subordinate clause. Here's another. Although you are listening to a podcast about words, you are expecting a lesson deeper than a grammar lesson. It's not just the function, but it's also the philosophy for me. Take this. Just the presence of the word though makes one thing the main thing and the other subordinate. Some of us need that kind of order. Whether though is at the beginning, middle, or end, something is demoted or the other is promoted. Here's one. Although you desire to watch another episode on Netflix, there is a paper you must write. Additionally, it helps us to focus on the main thing 
and not be swayed by distractions. It actually gets deeper than that. Many times the word though becomes a declaration of persistence. The definition is despite the fact that or even if. Life is peppered with inevitable setbacks. We all face an unexpected tragedy, an untimely death of a loved one, or just an unfortunate event. A lot of these situations we cannot prevent or avoid. That's when though can be a force to be reckoned with. One of my heroes I recall reading about as a child was a Navy Master Chief named Carl Brashear. Brashear enlisted into the Navy with diving on his mind and master diver as his goal. Although he faced obstacles due to racism, he persisted in his pursuit. In 1966, after recovering a lost nuclear bomb, a towing line broke and a metal pipe nearly sheared off the lower part of one of his legs. His leg would eventually have to be amputated. It almost seemed as if his dreams of becoming a master diver would be completely cut off. Determined to resume his naval career, he began researching swimmers who had amputated limbs. Not only would Brashear resume his naval career, he would eventually go on to become not only the first black master diver, but also the first amputee master diver. Though he was black in a time of rampant racism, though he lost his leg due to an accident, he went on toward the goal and accomplished it. Several examples from the Bible give us the though motivation that we need. One day, Job lived the life that many of us aspire to live. He was a godly man. As the text says, he feared God and shunned evil. He was blessed with a large family, lots of kids that he loved and prayed for regularly. He was blessed with wealth and land. And the next day, all of his wealth was taken away. All of his kids died in a tragic event, and his wife practically told him to kill himself. He developed painful sores and boils all over his body. His friends basically blamed him for all the calamity that he endured. And while at his lowest point, he even began to struggle in his relationship with God. But in one painful outburst, Job declared, Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. Job is saying, God, you have the ultimate control, and for some reason, you are either directing or allowing my suffering. That is subordinate to my trust in you. Wow, what a powerful statement. Another is noted by King David. David pens one of the most powerful, poignant, and memorable passages of Scripture, the 23rd Psalm. He writes, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. 
For summary, David is saying, God, I reverence you as my shepherd. I'm so blessed by you. You restore my soul and you lead me in the right places. Then he says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Basically, he's saying that even if I'm doing right by you, I still may have to walk through valleys. And even if I have to walk through those valleys, I fear no evil because you are with me. Or what about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? King Nebuchadnezzar had decreed that every citizen bow to the golden image or they would be thrown into a furnace. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused because of their faith. But they didn't just refuse, they did it defiantly. Our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us from your hand. But even if not, let it be known, O king, we will not serve your gods or worship your golden image. In other words, Though the fire is waiting for us, we will not serve your God. All of those, those statements are powerful and motivating to me. Oftentimes, the challenges we face are seemingly unsurmountable, though we will overcome them. See what I did there? But there may be some like me who have failed in the past and not just failed, but failed miserably. Sometimes our past failures become a hindrance to our future progress. The crazy thing about it, no one has to bring them up. Sometimes we bring them up ourselves or are at minimum haunted by them in our thoughts. Sometimes these thoughts can keep us from experiencing the fullness of God's grace and mercy. There is no sin that you've committed that God's grace can't cover. There's no failure that you have that renders you useless to the kingdom. The Apostle Paul is the epitome of God's grace. When writing to his mentee, Timothy, Paul says, And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violently arrogant man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which are in Christ Jesus. Paul says that even though I was formerly a blasphemer, persecutor, and a violently arrogant man, God was merciful. All of us have and even though in our life, even though tragedy happened, we're still here. Even though setbacks happened, we're still pressing on. Even though we may have caused our own calamity, we still have purpose. Remember, at the next juncture of your life, perhaps it needs a little though so that you may press on despite the circumstances. As always, thank you for sharing a word with Anthony Walker.